0: Okay, this is Nellie Johnson. I will get the rest of this next week. Uh, Leslie J should be coming on now if she's available. Have a blessed day. Don't leave
1: me, uh, Miss Nellie Johnson. You can't leave me. Thank everybody who called (laughs) in, who was on
0: the line and didn't wish to speak. Um, Have a blessed weekend and a safe one. Don't blow off anything you need using firecrackers and whatever other uh, <laughs> uh, things you like to shoot off. Let the uh, professionals handle the fireworks because okay, you no, don't want no, anything. Don't blow off no fingers. Yeah, right, right. nothing that you might need the next day. Don't blow okay. off anything that you might need the next
1: day. Right. So, this is Leslie Gist Don't Leave Miss Nellie Johnson. Can you say I know you wanna get your weekend going. I'll hang out for a while. Have thank a blessed you,
0: weekend, everybody, and thank you for listening. Bye bye. Um this is Miss Gist is our name.
1: All right. So this is the Gist of Freedom with Miss Nellie Johnson, uh resident historian. And we're we're we are recording on Blog Talk Radio today because it is a special uh, 4th of July holiday, and I think that um, we should record this and memorialize this on many different forms of social media. So can we get a station identification because we're broad, simulcasting with an um, East New York this,
0: Yes. This is T-A-N-D-L Radio, www.tandlradio Radio on the Internet or nine zero point five F M on the radio. Wonderful,
1: wonderful. Okay, so um let's start off talking about the one place that most people go visit during this holiday season. Can you help me out, Miss Nellie Johnson? What's the favorite attraction in in America for the Fourth of July? When it comes I'm to Sorry, charity? Leslie. I'm yeah. sorry, Leslie. I'm here Leslie
0: I'm here.
2: And, um, I hear you. Say what? Statue
0: of Liberty? Yes.
2: It uh, yes. would
0: be one place, yeah. Everybody wants yes. to go to the Statue of Liberty.
1: And everybody.
0: would will probably go now to uh 9 11 Memorial, I guess, right. they're in New York. And,
1: uh, and it's pretty popular. What we can already talk about is something real popular amongst black people that if you look look at the base of the statue, her feet. There are shackles on her feet. Were you aware of that, Miss Nellie Johnson?
0: No, I hadn't I, did oh, I didn't know yeah. that. Oh yeah,
1: yes there's shackles on her feet and I know she yeah. got the
0: torch in one hand and the book in the other hand, but I, I didn't mention that realise she had shackles on her feet.
1: Yes, yeah, under by, by her toes and um yes. and it was a big controversy when they gave the statue to America, because it was a representation, it was a gift to the African Americans
0: to mm-hmm.
1: symbolize freedom mm-hmm. all over the world. Mm-hmm. And people look to us because we are the one living miracle um, yeah. that exists. There's no country in the world that was formed that had in mind of liberating um, its people ending slavery at the inception of a country. And, and mm-hmm. 13%, no, there's no place in the world. You know, they most times we were enslaved on somebody else's land. Um, you know, we had to fight for it and mm-hmm. Or, mm-hmm. Or, or the land Everybody knows our history. Right. Yeah. So, But this is the only country where we are truly the minority. And um, at the beginning of the inception, it was on the table how long it was going to take to gradually abolish slavery. So Mm. when when you couple that with having today an African-American president, um, he's loved and received all over the world because he's a walking, talking Statue of Liberty to a lot of people who are oppressed. They looked at mm-hmm. him as a symbol of hope. So this statue was really our statue. It was really a testament to slavery. And um, the French helped us in slavery, and it was part of um, their, their thank you. Um, now today, and I'm going a little bit off topic, the French are having a problem. France is having a problem. There are currently revolts going on. I mean, in the millions, people are in the streets trying to overturn Mm -hmm. the government. And it's not getting any play uh, in social media or mainstream media. So we as African Americans and former um, enslaved people, you know, we are the labor party. We've always, you know, it makes sense that we would be concerned with labor problems all over the world because labor problems usually lead to slavery. So uh, we, we are we are
0: doing the labor
1: right. So we are ultra sensitive to labor issues, and that's why Paul Robeson went all over the world because he was the son of an enslaved um, man who who escaped. I don't like to use the word Ooh. escape because it sounds like you're running. I like to say self-liberated, you know, because escape sounds like you're you're um, you're a coward. But those people were courageous. So they, you know, they were very, very courageous people. And his father is part of that that uh, legacy. He escaped and um, had Frederick, became a minister, and so forth. So we have been symbols, and that's why Paul Robeson was a symbol throughout the world, because he had that story. Frederick Douglass was a symbol to people all over the world because he shared the same story. I
2: mm-hmm. was...
1: I'm, I'm part of self-liberated people, you know?
2: Right, when, right.
1: When, so when you can testify about your own experience, you know, that's what got Obama on the map. when He said that he came from a white mother and an African, a Native African. There's no other story like his. That's what he said. And he raised everybody's eyebrows was like, only in America, you know, like John King was say.
0: Can this mm-hmm. happen?
1: Only in America, at a, in a, the heat of the civil rights movement, can a white woman and a Native African get together right. and produce a mixed child who becomes the President of the United States. Right. You know? So we have so many examples of living, breathing Statue of Liberty. The sad thing is, We've been taught that we shouldn't think that we should include our stories within this story. There wouldn't be no 4th of July for anybody if it wasn't for us. You know, we know that Christmas Addicts, you know, he was the first one to get shot. He was another self-liberated person. You know, he escaped and uh, made Mm -hmm. his way. Uh, over, but that story is kind of shaky. This revolutionary story, and I got to get, I have to, you know, start researching and finding out the connections because we have to recall that the UK, um, British, the Brit, the Brits were in the midst of abolishing slavery um, when America decided to gain its independence. And remember that England offered the Black enslaved people in the United States or in the colonies freedom if you fought with them. Oh, yeah. Okay? hmm
0: uh-huh.
1: You know, if you fought on their side. They didn't quite
0: live up to that, though. They didn't quite live up to that. They left some people behind when they jumped on their ship and left.
1: Yeah, well, we have, uh, there's a story, and I just learned it, and I, and I hope I can find it before I leave. There's a story about the... One of the oldest churches, I think it's in Georgia, which was formed by someone who was who had escaped into Georgia into some colony that had been overtaken by um by the British, right? So they ran all of the the, the Americans out of Georgia and, I, you know, and I'm qualifying myself, but I might not be too accurate but they ran out the colony and now it was a british territory or, or subject to the british rule and if you were on the side of the, the british and you could go there for asylum for freedom right so this this black man went there for um, salvation and he was deemed free But when the war was over, this is what you were saying, when the war was over, they said, "Uh uh-uh, the Americans said, you ain't free. And they tried to re-enslave him.
3: Mm -hmm.
1: So he ended up going to Sierra Leone, or I think he went to Jamaica. He escaped to Jamaica, because Georgia, because once the uh, country was formed, they tried to re-enslave the blacks who were set free by the colonies. Mm-hmm. It's, um so it's really complicated um there's someone talking in the background. do you hear it Mm-mm. i don't i don't
0: hear it it's not okay. it's not here
1: okay, so let's go back to the Statue of liberty post and again, unless we get, you can read my post on facebook under l e s l e y g i s t And I'm going to read this post. I just posted 17 minutes ago, but I posted it two years ago as well. The Statue of Liberty. This summer, visit and tour Ellis Island teach the children, our youth, our history, our perspective of the Statue of Liberty. A monument to send as a gift. This is quotes. I'm quoting someone. A monument to send as a gift to abolitionists in recognition of the end of slavery in the U.S. Invisible to tourists, the Statue of Liberty's 25-foot-long, 7.6-meter-long um, left foot, pictured in 1984, brushes against a little-known detail that nevertheless looms large in sculptor Frederick Bartholedized, that's V-A-R-T-H-O-L-D-I, in his design. Broken chains beneath the statue's toga, Symbolized freedom from oppression in in general And the United States' abolition of slavery Mm -hmm. Just 20 years prior to the statue's dedication in particular I need to rewrite this All right, so Eduardo Laboulaye Let's spell his name L-A-B-O-U-L-A-Y-E An internationally renowned lawyer And author of a three-volume history of the United States first presented the idea of the symbol of the end of American slavery at a dinner party in 1865. At his country home near Versailles, France, among many other abolitionists, including Victor Hugo and Frederick Augustus bortholidai That's the guy we mentioned. Um, Eduardo, the French political thinker, U.S. Constitution expert, and abolitionist, who first proposed the idea of a great monument as a gift from France to the United States, was a firm supporter of President Abraham Lincoln in his fight for abolition. Um, Eduardo saw abolition not only as a way to eliminate immortality, but also as a way to protest repressive tendencies in in France. uh, Lovato was an honorary member of the Philadelphia branch Of the Union League Club The Union League Club was a group of people Who were dedicated to the new Republican Party The Union's cause in the Civil War And the abolition of slavery Additionally he was a co-founder And president of the French Anti-Slavery Society Now this is the scope that we're talking about
3: Mm -hmm. The
1: society was founded in 1865 In essence it's called upon all nations to abolish slavery All nations he wanted Additionally, the members also raised money that was then given to newly freed enslaved African Americans in the United States. After Abraham Lincoln was elected president in 1861, the French liberals and abolitionists, including Hugo and Bartholomew, urged Lincoln to free the enslaved, even if civil war resulted. When the war ended in 1865, French abolitionists again urged Lincoln to free all its enslaved people. They requested permission to build and dedicate this colossal monument to symbolize the freedom of all the enslaved people. So it goes on and on and on. Um, so look that up, Google it, or go to my Facebook page and read it. It talks about, um, just Google chains, broken chains, and Statue of Liberty, and you will hear the abolitionist movement behind um, that story mm-hmm. um, no, no why, Right, why that statue Was even here, so many people said she had Black features, but Whenever you have Questions about any kind of sculpture Or statue, look and see Who did it, who commissioned it Where their hearts were And you can find the real story The National Park, because mm-hmm. I called The National Park about this story When I first read it And they are not telling this version at all. <laughs> And they
0: got
1: Yeah, oh, mm-hmm. they became very argumentative. And that's why I'm glad that Obama is doing so much with the national parks because black people, we need to get involved with the national parks. Our stories are in those in those parks. Uh-huh. And uh-huh. you know, when you have people who just got here from other countries trying to tell the story of America and they don't really know. It's our responsibility. We've been here longer than anybody else. And we have yep. more stake in this country.
0: have the to tell our own story.
1: To tell our own story and to tell the white American story because most of the, the people that came here on the good ship lollipop, I mean, on the Mayflower, they're gone. Their descendants have gone. Right. So we're right. really the only ones here that bear witness to the creation of this country. It's a very small percentage that came here.
2: Um, so we, um, have to, and we have to, up, you know, uh, as I keep telling um, no, you, okay. there's someone in the background, we don't mind if you listen in, but could you please, if you're too close to the computer or you're rattling something, could you please, Um, you can listen in, but we have to be able to listen to the host. Thank you.
1: Yes, yes. And you can also call in um, today, because we are recording this. You can call in on a Blog Talk line at 657 you 828 or you could go into that chat room. I think I'm going to open up the chat room. If you're too shy to talk, you can always leave a message through the chat room. Um, we have blogtalkradio.com, Black History. That's blogtalkradio.com. Front Black History. So, what were you saying, Miss Nelly? Um, I don't know. Okay. Oh, okay. oh, I know.
0: We have to tell our own story because the um, the uh, majority population tells the story as if it's, if their story is the only story to be told, and right. Black History is American history. I know people say, well, you know, we're always talking about black history. What about white history? I said, because white history is is the majority of history. And you mm-hmm. tell it as if there were no black um, contributions.
1: Right. So right. we
0: have to have black history to make sure the black contributions are mentioned. You
1: know? right.
0: um Because mm-hmm. even though... You know, we talk about slavery. We talk about this. We talk about that. But there were black contributions that were made during the times that we we're talking about. Some of it was in paintings. but the paintings that um, they were, since the person was owned by the by the white master, the mm-hmm. the artwork belonged to the master. Uh, the music was belonged to the master or whatever. So the right. accomplishment of the person that actually did it didn't get mentioned. So we have to do that ourselves.
1: Right. And so, and that's, and that's what we're trying to do. You know, that's what my show is about. That's what you're doing. I hear talking again. Uh uh-huh.
0: You hear talking again?
1: Yeah. You I don't know where that,
0: that is. That is. You no, know, that's
2: a, probably at somebody's house. or maybe. Okay. Yes, yeah, right. right. definitely. So nobody's talking here. Sorry, that was me. I couldn't hold it back. I just said, that's why it hurts me so much to see somebody write our black people out of history.
0: Mm -hmm. And the people in Texas are constantly doing it. All of our textbooks come out of Texas. And the Texas legislators or city council or whatever it is, they're the ones that decide what goes into a book and what comes out.
1: And and is that ridiculous or what? That is so mm-hmm. ridiculous. First of all, every state should be responsible for writing their own textbook. There's yep. no central. you know, what, what my state is the known North for, right, is not similar to what Texas is known for. Texas one, is true. one of the newest people, newest um, states to enter the Union. Mm-hmm. You know, so Jersey was in here long before Texas, so why would Texas have the authority to tell our history? You know, she charges. Yeah, that makes
0: no me. sense. So yeah, hopefully, the Texas we... depository where uh, President Kennedy was killed is where they call the books.
1: And I guess it well, provides more books Maybe we can so. change that. Now let's move along to a local story for Fourth of July. We all heard of the Journal Truth, right? Yes. Yeah, Miss Nellie Johnson, could you? Tell our audience, our young people, about Sojourner, all that you wanted, uh, that you were taught, because you are Tuskegee alumni. Oh, I, I
0: remember a lot.
2: Sojourner okay.
0: Truth. Let's see. No, uh, she's not the poet. Um, I've forgotten too much. Okay, well. I remember the name, but I've forgotten too much.
1: She was an abolitionist. She fought against slavery. She has a statue. Um, in the White House, Michelle Obama. Uh-huh.
0: In the um, um, um what it Not um, in the rotunda. Yeah, in the rotunda of the uh, of the Congress. Oh, uh-huh. the Congress.
1: Thank you. So it's not the White House. Uh-huh. That's why I need Miss Nelly here with me. Uh, she's my fact checker. Uh, so, 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 Journal of Truth. What does she have to do with the Fourth of July? Right? We all want to know. I'm gonna read you a little something about. Sojourner in the 4th of July. Sojourner Truth and all other New York enslaved blacks were emancipated on the 4th of July in 1827. In 1799, the New York legislature passed an act for the gradual abolition of slavery with only token opposition. It provided for gradual manumission. The law freed all children born to slave women after July 4, 1799. Let's repeat that. The law freed all children born to enslaved women after July 4th, 1799. But not at once. The males became free at the age of 28 and the females at the age of 25. Till then, they would be the property of their mother's slaver.
0: Now, wait a minute. Mm-hmm. You, you became free, but there was an even. You okay? I had a child. My child in nineteen nine was it eighteen ninety nine became free, but only after she got twenty five years old. Seventeen
1: ninety nine. long. Seventeen ninety nine. Right, For July fourth, um, seventeen ninety nine. So. That was the date. If you were born after July fourth, seventeen ninety nine, then you would become free at twenty five later.
0: 25 years later, you became free.
1: Right. Well, it gave if you something to look
0: forward to.
1: If you stuck uh, around. <laughs> you yeah, know what I mean? <laughs> you know, I'm well, saying.
0: Before you didn't live that long. The yeah.
1: slave think it was was no bread, north, work was right. hard work.
0: The slave work mm-hmm. was hard work. So a lot of people, they, they say there were some of the um, bones in the uh, slave graveyard here in, in New York City when they built the, the Monument. Now, just imagine David if you Yeah, uh, That some of those bones were from people that were worked to death. Uh, you know, the splintered. Um, uh, I guess the the bone the bones the bone whatever they were carrying was too heavy. Was too heavy, and it splintered the bones or you know cracked the bones or whatever. Yeah.
1: And mm-hmm. you can yeah, they they said they could they could look at the anthropologists and. Looked at it and they could see evidence of hard work, but mm-hmm. um, but can you imagine the, the being right there, right near the cutoff date? You born mm-hmm. July first,
0: you can't be <laughs> Yeah free?
1: July third.
0: Yeah, I uh, was born July third. My sister was born July fourth. She goes free. I don't. Right. Yeah, that could cause so, some problems.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So it says slaves are ready in servitude before July fourth seventeen ninety nine remained slaves for life, though they mm-hmm. were reclassified they were reclassified as indentured servants. The law wide mm-hmm. all question of legal and civil rights, thus avoiding the objections that had blocked the earlier bill so there were constant bills being written and passed to try to end slavery from the mm-hmm. time this country was founded. you know um, mm-hmm. we had so many legal. Battles and people doing different things. All right, so let's move on. Um, the activity of the kidnappers of the cheats and selling, okay, I don't know what I'm talking about there. All right, one of the slaves who were freed in New York on July 1827, the woman who named herself of Truth was destined to be the most remarkable. That was in oh. Benjamin Quarles' book. Oh, she named herself so, Truth. Oh, oh my God. God! Yeah, oh, God! Yeah, she they didn't name her she that. She took that control was part of her, Right. She wasn't she waiting control. for the cutoff.
0: Yeah, she yeah. took control and named herself.
2: Okay. Right. So
1: it says Governor Daniel Tompkins
0: and proposed. No, that's that I'm glad I deferred that to you because I didn't know any of that stuff about the you know them being free that the the children of the of the women now, get the children of the women, because the children of the men stayed slaves, huh? If, you're, if, if I had, a, if I was a slave woman, and I had children um, after July 4th, those children could go free at a certain age. But
1: right. I didn't say nothing
0: about the men. Um, the uh, the men,
1: um, they had to remain. Everybody else had to remain enslaved the mother enslaved. and the father the slaves yeah. mm-hmm. so it was it was extremely complicated how they ended slavery. It wasn't just the civil war you know this mm-hmm. is prior to the civil war how yeah. um the, how the states who were well, not
0: hm I said, this was only in New York huh?
1: no these are oh, all yeah. the northern well this this was in New York, but all the northern states, the union as they refer to it. Mm -hmm. eventually abolished slavery in in alignment with the Constitution and the Declaration. They held true to their promise, while the South Mm -hmm. said, hell no. We don't care Mm what Hamilton said or uh, or any of the founding fathers fathers agreed to, like they do with the treaties with the Native Americans. We're not doing it. We're going to spread slavery. And in, when, the, when yeah. they tried to spread it, that's how the Civil War came about, because they kept dissing the Constitution. And they had no, they called them in rebellion. They referred to mm-hmm. them as rebellious states, rebellious colonies, who just refused to outright um, abide by the Constitution. The yeah. law. Mm-hmm. Right. And when it came mm-hmm. to slavery, they said, you remember what Dred Scott said, there is no law that they have to honor a black man, nothing, nothing written that they will acknowledge a black man's rights.
0: that's
1: true Yeah, yeah. that's yeah. What they that's the that's the southerners now the northerners right. said no, they are included here, and you will respect these laws, and they refuse to do it, and that's how the war came mhm, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. so moving on to a lighter story, um I just discovered a man named
2: Joseph Lee.
1: Uh, he, uh, do you cook with breadcrumbs and things of that nature?
2: Uh, breadcrumbs sometimes,
0: yes. Yeah.
1: yeah, I know my mom. Used to, you know, she taught me how to make fish with breadcrumbs, fried fish and everything. Mm-hmm. Well, mm-hmm. if you're gonna fry up some fish this summer, I want you to consider Joseph Lee. In the late 1890s, he owned and managed a hotel called the Woodland Park Hotel in Newton, Massachusetts. In 1902, as a way of maintaining an involvement in the food service industry, he also opened up a catering business. But the real kicker is this. He became an inventor as a hotel manager because he became extremely frustrated at what he saw as a waste of bread which would have to be thrown out if it was as much only as a day old. So, Mr. Mm-hmm. Lee has long believed that crumbs from the bread was quite useful in preparing food as opposed to cracker crumbs. I don't know if they're trying to be funny.
0: Uh, he like cracker
1: crumbs.
0: Okay. Mm-hmm. He want no cracker yeah, crumbs. My mother crumbs. used to use cracker crumbs to make uh, uh, fish croquets. fish croquets. Fish, fish croquets. Where you take the tuna, and roll it in the crackers and fry it.
1: I never heard of that. Keep talking.
0: Mm-hmm. You have to crunch up the crackers, though. You know, you just put them in and crunch them up, make almost cracker crumbs out of it, and take the tuna, whatever seasoning you're going to, you know, stir it up, mix it, roll it up into a patty and fry it. Mm-hmm. Delicious. Mm-hmm. Depending Delicious. on what seasoning you use. <laughs> it's
3: so that, you <laughs>
0: Instead of, that's what he was talking about. Instead of the crack, instead of using crackers, he's using bread. So
1: crackers like, like, like saltine?
0: Like saltine crackers. Yeah, you
4: know, unsalted crackers, yeah. Did you put tuna fish
0: in it? Take the tuna, and the same way you would uh shred it, the same way you would if you were going to make a tuna salad, and you put your seasoning in it, mix it with an egg, and roll it in the cracker, in in crunched-up crackers and fry it ah, and make fish huh. patties. Mm-hmm. Uh,
1: do you mind so if we ask who's speaking and asking the questions?
0: Say that again? Yeah, so
4: this is yeah, this is Donald. I just joined you all, and it seems oh. like we, I'm getting a lesson in <laughs> cooking today. Yeah. <laughs> and,
3: and how to prepare for well,
4: things I've never known about before. If you mentioned something about the fish, and the brother did something with it. I'm about to prepare some fish, so I'm hoping I can learn something new about how to prepare this fish.
0: All right. Well, Okay, Leslie. She was explaining right. about the person that invented breadcrumbs.
1: Yes. Yeah, and he had
0: said the person that invented the breadcrumbs that he's using the breadcrumbs oh. instead of crackers. And I was explaining to her that my mother used the crackers with the, with the fish. Mm. So yum, my, yum, yum, yum. We got that.
1: So he said he decided that instead of simply throwing away the bread, he would use it to make breadcrumbs. He thus set out to invent a device that could automate tearing, crumbling, and grinding the bread into crumbs. He oh. was finally successful, and he patented the invention on June 4, 1895. He used the breadcrumbs for various dishes, including croquettes batter for cake, mm-hmm. fried pork chops, fried mm-hmm. fish, and more. He soon sold the rice to his bread-crumbling machine, and the Royal Worcester Breadcrumb Company of Boston soon had a device in major restaurants around the world. Not one to rest on his laurels, Lee looked for another way of improving food preparation and invented the automatic... Hmm? You say something? All right. So not, not once he wrestled, okay, not once the wrestle his laws, Lee looked for another way of improving food preparation. And he invented an automatic bread making machine. The machine not only mixed the ingredients, but it also needed the dough. So he made mm-hmm. dough from making dough. All right, so the mm-hmm. machine was so fast and efficient. It was able to perform the task of five or six men mm-hmm. and did so more hygienically and at a much cheaper cost. It also produced a higher quality product with a much better taste and texture. So our the friend, was Joe, is automated bread maker. Mm-hmm. Yep. The
0: machine is automated. Say automated.
1: Mm-hmm. Automated
4: it Say it again. He sells the patent for the bread maker also, or he kept
1: that? I think he kept the bread maker machine. Um, they have pictures of his patent. He's elaborate drawings. They have pictures of him using his machines. Um, he had a catering business, a hotel, you know, and he, he had clients and customers and patrons of all races. And, you know, it, when we talk about being independent on Independence Day, you know, I, I put out something on Facebook, and I didn't get too much, um, re- too much of a response. That this Independence Weekend, we need to start on a weekly or daily basis uh, promoting Black businesses that we patronize. Mm-hmm. You know, if we really want to celebrate Independence, that's one way to do it: is to share. The you know
4: Facebook. what? what, what, what mm-hmm. One of the things that that I had planned to introduce during my show coming up is Frederick Douglass. I don't know if anybody discussed Frederick Douglass' speech on Independence
1: Day. Yes, and I'm telling you that story, that story is stale because, it's stale for one because he qualified the story that he wrote that prior to him learning about the Constitution and the three-fifths clause. So when we hear that story, I don't talk about that speech unless I'm talking about the speech he wrote after slavery had ended. So he had two different views. Just like Malcolm X, he evolved from saying that this was the worst to now he was saying that those documents are the most anti-slavery documents in the world, the Constitution and Declaration. Um, so well,
4: I, well, well, Sister, I need you to be my guest on the show to talk about that further because they don't need to hear one without the other and
0: yeah,
1: you're bringing you, some new information to it. Right. If you can't bring it... But it was in, known yeah. that,
0: that um, Jefferson decided not to include black people's uh, the, the slaves' freedom at the same time they were talking about getting their freedom from England. Because he didn't think the southern part of the union, the 13 states, would vote for Greece. Uh, they wouldn't be able to get enough people to <coughs> go against England to get their okay. freedom if they were so so to people. So they decided to defer it.
1: When we talk about Jefferson, right, and what he thought, that's like talking about only Trump as being a representative mm-hmm. of the president that was, that, was, that was in the White House. During our life, so we have to pick mm-hmm. and choose who we're going to identify and whose ideology we want to identify mm-hmm. with, and who promoted so our position. I'm, you know, see that is the, that's that why that is why I said the, you, know, not, you know, our celebrating
0: our celebrating the Fourth of July was not our celebration until you brought up the thing about um, uh, uh, so truth being born on July Fourth and was part of those people that. Were, um,
1: were emancipated in, by law in the north by law right.
0: emancipated Mm-hmm.
1: right so yeah. because what, i was understanding
0: that the fourth of july doesn't belong to us it belongs to right. them and, because right. and, they decided right, to right. destroy our freedom in order so, to get their own
1: but the fourth the fourth of july um did mean something to some people that what frederick said that he wasn't going even though he was free he wasn't going to celebrate the 4th of July until everybody was free. And then once Mm -hmm. that constitution was really um, respected by the slavers, now remember, it was accepted on the north side for 50, 60 years. They did what they were supposed to do. They followed the law Mm -hmm. to the letter, Mm -hmm. all right, the constitution. Mm -hmm. And Frederick Douglass understood that it was only because of that constitution Did they go to the war? They fought over those rules. They fought over those Mm -hmm. those, Mm -hmm. those words that was written. And they weren't going to allow the South to just recreate and change the Constitution. They were considered colonies in rebellion and states in rebellion, okay? So Mm -hmm. when you teach your history, I don't like for black people to keep pushing what the enemy has been teaching. It makes no sense. It, it makes right. no sense for you to keep on talking about some damn Jefferson and every slaveholder. Why? They're not ever going to sit. The white, the white historians are never going to sit up there when you talk about um, General Lee. They're never going to say, oh, well, but we hate Nat Turner. And you know, Nat Turner was born in such and such a year, and he killed so many white people. They're never going to bring up Nat Turner. But black mm-hmm. people, we think that we need to bring up everybody that ever owned a slave and talk about them and continue their legacy. How on earth is that going to help black people in this day and age? Let your enemy teach their own people and their own history. There's nothing intellectual, there's nothing scholarly about talking about what your enemy has done to you. So I don't entertain those types of stories on my show. Um, I I can't stand it, uh, to be quite frank. And if you want to come on the show and talk about how you got beat down and you still getting beat down, it's the wrong show. I'm only Mm -hmm. talking about the path to freedom because we don't have time to talk about how they beat us up and we don't have any solutions. Mm -hmm. Right. Right. Somehow we are alive today and it's not because of Jefferson. It's not not because
2: of Washington. It's not because of them. Mm -hmm.
1: So if you want to be intellectual, you want to uplift your people, dig and find the stories, not told by your enemy, but by the ones who went through who overcame this slavery, who overcame Lenin, well, you know, who overcame them? I, I think
4: what, uh, one of the most refreshing messages that I've heard of late uh, was the BET humanitarian recipient Jesse Williams, his message to that audience. Did any of y'all hear that? Uh,
1: no, because that's not on my show. That's not on the list of what is the things I want to talk about.
4: Well, no, did you hear know. his message?
1: No, I think we can you talk should that. We can talk about that on your
4: hour. But we're not gonna talk about him. Yeah, well, well, well I'm not referring to well, I'm just saying just for uh, educational information. I think all blacks need to be aware of his message. Regardless in regard to what they
1: I think it's fair enough, you know, that we, we try to bring in what's happened today with the past and make a change. but... um, a lot of people are ranting. Um, what I see that's going on currently in the news is one of the Black Lives Matter guys in uh, Maryland, he ran for uh, mayor, and now he's uh, he didn't win, but they gave him another job in politics. So when I see these young people who were out there in the, on the front line getting, um, getting uh, tear gas, and who were out there doing the work, getting um, rubber bullets shot at them, to the point that they were suffering and, and being so courageous that the Palestinians were tweeting them, telling them to get milk, and teaching them how to combat the tear gas. The social media kids that were protesting on the front line networked so well that the government went into the churches where they had stored all this milk to protect and to rinse out the protesters' eyes with the milk that they confiscated the milk. All right? So when we talk about people and, you know, who are speaking publicly, I look for the Black Lives Matter um, people who were out there physically physically getting beat up, uh, physically doing something, I try to promote that entity of the history because in the modern day, the, the history makers today, because they reflect what our history makers of the past went through. And even if they don't know that Nat Turner did it and Denmark Mark Bessie and so forth, they have it within them. They're courageous. So I don't know what Jesse, the actor, is really talking about, but I look for Marilyn Mosby, who went out there and filed charges on those cops, who's now being threatened, um, were being sued by them for malicious uh, prosecution. So those are the stories and the people I try to um, support and uplift within this little hour.
2: So, but I think, well, I think um, um,
4: we're certainly in support of that, and I agree with that. I continue that same theme along with the hour that I have, and I challenge all your listening audience to to take a moment and and uh, check out the refreshing message of Jesse Williams. I don't promote anybody or anything unless I feel that it's worth the while, and I challenge you to check it out and make your own
1: decision. Oh, that's a good choice. Now, the lighter note. I know we're going to have some ice cream this weekend, right? I bet you you didn't know that the ice cream scoop, right, the mechanical ice cream scoop, and I'm talking to my 10-year-old while I'm talking to you, and when they have the ice cream scoop with the mechanical part that moves so that you could push the ice cream in and out, black man, his name was Alfred Quayle.
2: C R A L L E.
1: He's responsible for the ice cream scoop, and back then it was high tech. When I say back then, what year? 1897. He also got a patent. He was born in Virginia, which is one of the racist, most racist places in our history, where Jefferson and Washington came from, just after the end of slavery. He attended local schools and worked with his father in covency trade. And as a young man, he became interested in mechanics. And he attended the Wayland Seminary. And he helped educate African Americans after the Civil War. He settled in Pittsburgh. You see, he got out of Virginia. And it was while working in Pittsburgh as a porter, he noticed ice cream, which had become a popular confection, was difficult to dispense. It tended to stick to the spoons and ladles, 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 right, usually requiring use of two hands and at least two implements to serve. To overcome this, he invented the mechanical device known today as the ice cream scoop. So while you're out there having your ice cream this holiday weekend, I tweeted, let's toast to Mr. Alfred Krell, because we are so embedded in American history, all around us. Now, it's the enemy's job to say that we are invisible, that we serve mm-hmm. no purpose, we have no contribution, mm-hmm. that all we can talk mm-hmm. about all day is that we've been victimized. I have friends in, um, in uh, theater, and they said, you can't get a play. Nobody's going to help you produce a play, especially on Broadway. They only pay for your miseries. They'll pay you millions of dollars to, to put on a performance about your misery. But they will never fund your victories. So on this show, I'm not giving them no more miseries. They're not getting it. If they they want to pay somebody else to just you know to cry about the miseries, go ahead. I'll talk about them as long as I'm saying at the end of the day we won, we won. But I'm not gonna sit here and have a, another uh, sad story and end everybody on a low note or have somebody going out wanting to kill Whitey. It makes no sense. The only thing that makes sense is if you get out and say, this is something I could do personally. I, uh, my, my voice, my skill can help the bigger picture. So with that said, I took my daughter and her two cousins to see a play produced by black people, for black people, um, by a company called the Harlem Shakespeare. And it's ran by Boza Rivers and Karen Bird. I think it's a Karen Bird. No, I'm sorry, Deborah and Bird. It was incredible. It had my 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 little youngsters, at, literally at the edge of it, at their seats. It was called Much Ado About Nothing. And I always looked at Shakespeare as not being African American at all. I thought that Shakespeare was European. And, you know, we talked about Paul Robeson. But after doing some research, you know, Paul Robeson, he was one of the first people to star in a Shakespeare play, Black People. Come to find out that many of the characters, the Moors especially, were Black people, and that Shakespeare was an an activist. And that was his sly way of pushing activism by having these plays to incite different thoughts and provoke different thoughts. um, And at the same
4: time,
0: not getting his head cut off. Right. He could push it on the stage.
1: Uh He could push mm -hmm. it on the stage. Uh And he wouldn't name no names, but, you know, if you were around, you knew who he was talking about. Now, when I started um, promoting um, the Harlem Shakespeare Festival, I said, let me see, what is the history of black people in Shakespeare in New York City? And a few years ago, I came across a theater, which I call the Rosewood of Black Theater. The African Grove Theater was a Shakespearean playhouse founded in 1816 by an activist named William Brown. It it was mysteriously burned down to the ground. All right? Where oh. yeah, was this at? Uh, mysteriously. In New mm. York and was in Manhattan on Thompson Street. He used his garden oh. in his backyard to host social events. There was such oh. a big hit that people traveled from all over New York to attend. This all-black theater troupe and company grew out of these tea garden performances. Riding the success of the theater, Brown later built a fully-fledged performance space on the second floor of his home, which was on... on 165th Mercer Street. I'm always on Mercer Street. That's by NYU. Just south of Houston Street. It's now a parking mm-hmm. garage. Mm-hmm. Although slavery was still legal in the city of New York, Brown hired blacks to perform mostly socially conscious Shakespearean plays for black audiences. Now, remember, he said socially conscious. And he was trying to align what was going on in the Shakespeare plays with what was going on in New York and slavery at the same time,
3: which mm-hmm. the white
1: people didn't like that. They said, we know what you're trying to do with these Shakespearean plays. So he hired blacks perform mostly socially conscious Shakespearean plays for black audience, Richard III and Othello, the black moor. Were his most popular plays Samuel Hay explains that The attempt to shut down the African company Was politically motivated Democratic whites Were against voting, voting rights For blacks Black landowners were qualified to vote in New York Even while The free blacks were able to vote While there was still some blacks Still in slavery And black landowners were qualified To vote while landless white men Were prohibited from voting So you know the white people had the riot. If they can't vote, and you can because he owns his property, jealousy, and here we go again with Mm -hmm. Rosewood. Mr. William Brown produced and wrote plays such as the drama of King Shot Away based on the 1796 uprising of black Caribbeans against the English Navy. And it is thought to be the first work by an African American playwright to be performed in the United States. So he was um, producing plays about anti slavery and revolt, not about Jefferson and Washington. It makes no sense. I can't imagine black people like Lee making a movie about how Jefferson enslaved us, or Washington. We don't talk about those things. We, we need to tell our story. And we don't need to just tell on the big screen. We need to share these stories of liberation on a daily basis whenever we can. So we see in the 1700s and 1800s black artisans and activists promoted telling our story of how we overcame. As a, my favorite church lady says, how we got over. I love that song. I look back, my soul looks back, and I wonder... How on earth did we get over? Because we are not supposed to be here. The day that slavery ended, the the masses who only brought us here to be enslaved, to produce money for them, they had no use for us, and they wanted to exterminate us. And for us to still be here is nothing short of a miracle, and we need to acknowledge that. I have two more stories. Uh, I don't know which. I have two out of three. One of the most popular stories this week was a cowboy named Daniel Webster Wallace. He was born into slavery, but he left with an estate valued over a million dollars. Daniel Webster made a decision one day. He did not like farming, so he chose to follow his dreams, and he became a cowboy and a rancher. So look him up. I'm not going to read him because I'm pressed for time. But um, he had an estate. And let's see Fayette County. And uh let's see where is he at? In Texas. So he was out of Texas. Now, I know that you guys probably don't follow women's basketball. If you don't know, I started coaching basketball at the age of 20 for, for my own basketball team, and I went on to coach high school for 2 years. So I've been coaching for 10 consecutive years as a young person in my 20s. And as a result, I thought maybe I should start watching basketball since I'm coaching it. So I started watching Michael Jordan, and I started supporting Rutgers of New Jersey, which had a black female coach named Vivian. Um, I can't come up with her name. But one of her biggest rivals was Pat Summit, and Pat Summit died this week. Anybody familiar with Pat Summit from the Tennessee Vols? Yes. No? Okay, you yes, are. Yes, I'm
0: familiar.
1: Mhm. Well, Pat Summit.
0: She's a coach.
1: She she coached. She's a white woman. She coached for mm-hmm. 38 years. But you know why I'm sharing Pat's story and wishing her um, a peaceful journey to heaven, hopefully. She accomplished something that we should force all colleges, colleges to do, which is every one of her.
0: Every Everyone one of her, her players graduated.
1: Graduated. Yes. Everyone. All of That it. is a success She demanded
0: story. it. Yes. We should demand that of everybody.
1: Yes. Right. Yep. So we got to give kudos yes. to Pat. She is a sister. I don't care if she's white. If she can do that, and a lot of her players are black, we need to emulate Miss Pat Summit, and I want to give her credit. Um, the last story is a story of Egypt. I know that you. I've told you this many times that I, I honeymooned in Egypt in '94. My husband, husband, we have to say husband today because marriage is not only between husband and wife, female and male. So I have to be clear. A honeymoon. With my husband In 1994 mm-hmm. in Egypt And mm-hmm. I went there to see the Sphinx Right I had no clue it was so many Christians In Egypt Everyone I met Was Christians Right So I find this story this week About a cave in Egypt They have been Turning caves in Egypt Into churches since the first century So I'm going to read this to you A church built into a cave in Egypt Is the home to 70,000 Weekly worshippers St. Simon is one of the world's Oldest Christian communities One of the most popular Groups are, are Egyptians Who have retained their Coptic beliefs And established the largest Christian church In the Middle East Other nearby caves have also been built Into separate church spaces since tourism through the scavenger village, and this is this is a village that is a dumping ground, literally a garbage dumping ground. This is what they did to the church in Egypt, dumped garbage on it. And these people were persecuted for maintaining their Christian beliefs. So what year is it? The first century. The first century. Okay. Wow, topic I think the church out. was on television not too long ago. Well, it really wow. looks like, um, the it looked like a cave. It probably like a cave. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes, and if the light comes mm-hmm. in, it beams in from the sky. It's awesome. Mm-hmm. It looks the pictures mm-hmm. look extraordinary. So if I ever go back to Egypt with my daughter, she said she's not going. She's only ten. She doesn't know. Um. When I take her, we're gonna go. She's heard all the bad things. <laughs> that's right. So yeah, that's he not all the bad I had to, to, well my mother cried yeah. when I went. I had I, I didn't even tell my mother I was going until like the last three days before I left. <laughs> because yeah. you know, there was fighting there was fighting going on. Yeah. It was crazy. Mm-hmm. She was and then my last day there yeah, we had the nerve to see the fire jet over our head. And then we ran to the newspaper machine. And there it is, USA Today, in Michael Jordan's face, on the um, front page. And it said, warning, Americans must go to the embassy. Believe that? And we were on our way to the airport to get out of here. So we were like, should we go to the embassy or should we just get on the plane? We jumped on the plane. But my mother was so upset. She said, I've made you too pro-black. Now you're going to Africa, you're going to Egypt, and you're going to get killed. So... I had to do what I had to do. And it's a trip that I would do. Again, I I think everybody should go, especially Christians. Um, um, you can maintain your Afrocentricism. Yeah, that's what I was going
4: to ask you about. Is there a tourism uh event built around that in, in Egypt for Christians?
1: Um, you know, we ran out of time. We were supposed to go to Alexandria. Our tour guide talked about the Christian, the Coptic Christians. And how uh, um, they were being, and how Islam came in, and and the what? transformation from Christianity to Islam, and all that stuff. They taught mm. me that, and I have it on tape today. I uploaded some of my um, footage from my honeymoon onto YouTube. So if you go to Leslie Gist and YouTube and type in Egypt, you will see some of the footage. Our tour guide had very very okay. thick accents. I really did not understand a lot of what she said. That's why I recorded it. So when I came across this story, and I told my husband, he said, yeah, they, she talked about that. So I still have the material that they gave us, the materials from the airplane. I kept everything. And I'm going to, um, I really want to go back to Alexandria and see these caves. They said it's very, very difficult to get to, but it is a major tourist attraction. And a lot of people, millions, they said, uh, make the pilgrims to these um, Christian churches that's in these caves. So I'm going to read this last part. It says, the Coptic Orthodox Church of Alexandria is the largest Christian church in Egypt and in Northeast Africa. According to tradition, the church was established by St. Mark, an apostle of an evangelist, the middle of the first century. So we're talking about the first century. So I'm going to, I know it's 4.04, and I went over my time, but I want to thank you. Um, mhm. Go ahead. Yeah, I was going to
4: say if you would be so kind and stay and blend right in with us, cause I, and be my co-host on the issue that we talked about with Frederick Douglass, because that's helpful information the audience should be aware of. Or whoever's listening, it would certainly be helpful if, if you agree to do that. I would appreciate it.
1: Yes, I'm going to look it up. I'm going to look up on my blog right now to see what I post about. I do it every Fourth of July, where he explains his position, he had changed. Um, But, you know, we have been conditioned to think that we should be excluded from American history, and we play no role. It's unfortunate because so many people look to us, and especially this holiday, as a symbol of hope. And people I interview on my show from all over the world always talk about Martin Luther King. They know his song, "We Shall Overcome." Um, you know, but on the other hand, we're the only ones thinking that we haven't accomplished anything. And well, I think it's people.
4: clear to us that I think that we 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 have introduced culture to America. We brought culture as well as many other things that you introduce us every week
1: mm-hmm. about we our culture. contribution to the development
4: of this nation.
1: We brought culture, we brought um, innovation, we brought um, all kinds of skills and talents, um, but we also are the moral compass of this country. They have no morality. We are it. We keep people alert to what their Constitution says, and if we keep saying it doesn't have anything to do with us, eventually it will become true. Because as long as you think that, you're not included, somebody will change it up. So we need to really study it. And I'm a little disappointed with Obama because he is a constitutional professor, and I thought he would enlighten us, especially African Americans, on the role that it plays in liberating blacks. We've always had to go to the federal government. All right. I think your last guest was explaining about Rosa Parks and somebody in her hometown that also did a Rosa Parks move. But we have to understand that there's three body um government, government bodies in this country. And so the one body that we always go to and we usually win is the federal government. Um and the federal government usually sides with us because of the constitution. The state's right is a fight between the, the state and the federal government. The states don't want the federal government to tell them what to do about anything. So whenever we get bullied or beat up by a governor, we can sue and take it to the higher courts. Um, this is why there's an issue with um, who will be the next justices and so forth, because we lost a lot of ground when um, – the Supreme Court didn't uphold some of the rights like the Dred Scott. That was totally against what um, Hamilton and the founders wrote, telling telling um, Dred Scott that he had no rights. That's a lie. He was a clear citizen. You know, Martha King talked about it in his I Have a Dream speech that he's coming here to talk about something we resolved 100 years ago. So the, the difference between... With the 60s, in the 1860s, in the 1760s, and um, now, in 2016, is that we're not vigilant. And we don't have lawyers. We don't have learned people who are actually reading and studying the Constitution like um, Frederick Douglass. I'm not Frederick Douglass. Like um, the Supreme Court, Judge Thurgood Marshall. See, it produced so many... Black lawyers who knew the law. We're not doing that. And of we have that Johnny
4: Cochran. That, I mean, that was the mission of that school, and they they were very clear about the mission. Anybody went to Howard Law School, they understood that they were going to be a social activist, not a corporate lawyer. Right, and now that
1: mission has changed,
4: right? Right, exactly.
1: Most Yes. So. So now it's very easy, if you don't want to be a social activist, it's easy to say, well, we already arrived. I want my money. I want to get paid. And there, and it's uh-huh. the people who were in position back in the day, they came back home on the front line and they used their education to maintain. A great Independence Day story is one with, um. oh, what is his name? Hope John Hope Franklin John O. Right. Franklin
4: John O. Franklin
1: He is phenomenal. Do you know who his yes. father was? A Native American. Did you know his father was oh, a is Native that right? American?
4: Okay, I wasn't aware of that.
1: Oh, his story is fascinating. I I have a um I bought his audio tape. Of him speaking. Okay, let's, hold on, one
4: I, I want to take a quick. I want to take a quick station break. You're listening to Donald Brown's Journal, and my special guest today is Leslie Gibbs. As we're speaking about uh, the July Fourth, uh, we're going to be bringing on some special pieces around Frederick Douglass, and she's going to present the other side of that. Uh, so, uh, Leslie, continue.
1: Okay, so we have John Hope Franklin, right? He was brought in by Thurgood Marshall. To do the research Now this is how smart The Howard Lawmen were They went to historians To find out What did What happened in history What did we use In history to get over How did we get this done Who were the players So John Hope Franklin said The players that you need to study And bring up in your argument Right uh-huh. These people, they were white abolitionists, right? Right. And these, he said these people, the main one was Thaddeus Stevens. If you remember the movie uh, Steven Spielberg, movie about Lincoln?
4: Thaddeus Stevens from Massachusetts?
1: That, yes. Sadius yeah, okay. From Pennsylvania. No, you're talking about the one that got beat over the head in Massachusetts? That's Sumner. Right. Sumner should have been in oh, that movie. movie I saw the movie He wasn't in it that much they just, Only a little bit But they did talk about Thaddeus from Pennsylvania Thaddeus okay. Stevens is the, is the one who wrote and, and fought for the 14th Amendment He introduced it Right So John right. Franklin went and gave Surrogate Marshall Thaddeus' a speech and his state of mind, because in legal terms, they always say, well, what was the state of mind when they wrote this? What were they thinking? Were they saying three-fifths, like when you said that Jefferson didn't include black people? Oh, there was all kinds of conversations going down. But what only, what only mattered is what was in, those, in the four corners of that document. And nowhere did they mention the word Negro. And this is what your friend and our friend Frederick Douglass said There's nowhere in there Did he say Negro they, The abolitionists yep. fought to, to say that you can't use the word Negro to, to say that You're enslaving people They kept that word out Enslaved So If okay. you get your own Constitution And you read it yourself You're not going to find the word Negroes or slaves it was done intentionally so that nobody could lie on the founding fathers and say what they said. Of course, Jefferson said something he's supposed to say. He's arguing for his side. But the result is, what was written? That's the binding contract, and that's why they had the Civil War, because so they want to keep screaming about what their leaders said about the issue. All right? So listen to this. Him back to um, John Hope Franklin. Dr. John Hope Franklin um, and abolitionist 14th Amendment Congressman Thaddeus Stevens, right? Dr. John Hope Franklin right. is the tie that binds. Not only is he the son of the great civil rights lawyer Buck Franklin, his father Buck Franklin was a Native American. And we all know about the Oklahoma Tulsa riots. His father was a lawyer who fought for reparations and won some for some of the Tulsa survivors. You can't get any who's better than that. John Hope who, Franklin. Father? father?
2: John was, Hope was Franklin.
4: the was, was, was of the survivors of Tulsa of the Tulsa riots? Yes.
2: Yes. And okay. John,
1: which led which led John Hope Franklin to be a part of the Thurgood Marshall team. He knew his history. So Dr. Franklin's father, Buck Franklin, sued the city of Tulsa for passing an ordinance that effectively barred blacks from rebuilding their city because, you know, they really wanted to steal the city. Now, we talk about Tulsa, Oklahoma. The reason why they rioted and tried to steal that city from the blacks, not because they just hated black people, but I know you can guess what the real reason was. Can you guess?
4: Money. The, the real reason why they wanted the land in Tulsa?
1: Yeah I, yeah, I heard it. Say it again.
4: Money. Are you asking the real reason money why they wanted to? The the
1: the the... Yes. It wasn't yes. Crazy that black. Was, They wanted the money. Go ahead, Miss Smith. That Ms. was um, Black Wall Street.
0: Where, but that wasn't actually a riot. That was the government destroying the town. You know, the, I mean, a you know how many people? You know Yeah, but the riot indicate intends in tends to indicate tends to indicate that the black people were the ones that were rioting. This was the government uh, in culture that used airplanes to set the place on fire.
4: That's right, because they now, dropped bombs on the people. The government sure did.
1: Now, do you know why they did that? Now we know
4: that's the, the Bible reason why they would drop bombs on the people.
1: Well, I'll tell you why, and I just well, learned this maybe two years ago. Yale released a whole lot of footage, right, from a minister who had just like Thurgood Marshall and out in Hamilton, um, who fought for the Brown versus Board of Education. They got moving cameras, and this minister from the Tulsa area. Went to all of these well-off, wealthy black communities throughout Oklahoma, and he documented how well the blacks were doing. I was shocked out of my mind to see that the black people. You know how we get it. You know when we're told about people living in the Midwest, what do we envision black people doing? Farming. Farming, right? Guess what
2: they were doing in Tulsa, Oklahoma, in, in the outskirts of Tulsa. They had oil rigs in their backyard. Oil companies. Okay. They were wealthy.
4: Okay.
2: What are we paying right. for today? Well, what? we know they were so rough. That's
4: why they called it Black right? Wall Street. Because I didn't know exactly where the wealth was coming from, but you said the oh, all that speaks to it right like, there. I know they had their own hospitals and, you know, we uh, basically we're being met by them. Hmm?
1: Donald, that is a very black secret. Here we are, you know, one foot out of slavery, building oil rigs on our newfound land and making okay. a killing. You, you know, the same reason why they stripped Africa, right, because of the natural resources. The last thing they want right. is to see black people have an access, direct access access to a natural resource that they need. And we're buying from us. Landless white men, poor landless white men. Do you think they're really going to buy some oil from us if they're the majority?
4: They, they love me. Listen, I gotta hook you up with a, with one of the survivors of of the Tulsa, Oklahoma piece. I did a mm-hmm. piece on her last about 50 months. She's in New York. She's about 101 now.
0: Wow!
1: A
4: very wow. very sharp, sister. Real sharp. Mm-mm-mm.
1: Well, the Stephen, yeah. I I learned about <laughs> now this footage I'm telling you about, and I uploaded it to YouTube. Everything I find, I share it on social media. So this is it amazes me. About 10 years ago, when I first started my Blog Talk radio show, I met a man in 2004 named Wyatt Houston Day. And the name of my original Blog Talk radio show was a tribute to him. He was an antique dealer who worked for, he's the right hand man of Henry Louis nice. Gates. So he ran all over the place looking for books, rare books. So anytime, You hear Henry Louis Gates talking He's referencing information That he most likely acquired Through Wyatt So Wyatt and I became friends When I started doing research for my own Genealogy book and I went to his house In Nyack, West Nyack, New York And he has all these books He has a big library and he sells rare books And I bought several books from him And he told me that He was also A member of the Antique World Show on PBS. He said they're the most racist people. Right? So he said uh-huh. they always promised him that they would let him be aired, You know, his stories with black history. And they always cut him off. They never did it. He would have his family over for dinner. All these people ready to watch him be televised. And it, he would never be on there. So he quit. So he's the one um, that gave me so many books about um Thurbert Marshall, um, Hamilton, um and when I had this first radio show called the Antique E Show, he was one of my first guests.
3: <laughs>
1: and one of the things he had for sale oh he also works for um auction house in New York. Swan galleries and Swan Galleries, because of him, gave me all of this material to upload to my website to talk about because they were having an auction. And one of the things he had on his auction was a whole bunch of old reels of footage from the Tulsa area, era, an area, right? That was back in 2008. He couldn't tell me on the air during his interview who purchased it. You said that somebody bought it. And now about a year ago, I discovered on the internet that it was Yale. Yale purchased that, okay. that. Yale University. Oh, really? So wow. mm-hmm. So if you want to see those oil rigs in, in black people's backyards, go to Yale, type in um, footage of Oklahoma and they have hours and hours and hours of home home um, footage That this minister made And archived Now you would think mm-hmm. the black schools would, would have purchased that right Mm-mm. Right Exactly has, Yeah Yale has it um, They take our history And they take it because They want us to keep harping that we did Nothing and that we just got bombed Right Yep they don't want us to know. And that's why
0: they call it a Tulsa riot.
1: Right. They're lying. And that's
0: why they call it a Tulsa riot, which makes it look like white right people were at fault.
1: Right. We did but something. In, in, right. We weren't at fault. We got penalized because we were socially progressive. And it wasn't just Tulsa. Oh, if you look at that footage, he has about 16 different towns that's neighboring to Tulsa that were all doing equally as well as Tulsa. And wow. Like, yeah, Tulsa is not the well, whole, called that whole region.
4: that whole region was called Black Wall Street.
1: Uh-huh, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. uh-huh. Yeah, so then,
4: it's, that, it's cool. I. I but, now, but that explains yeah. where a lot of the wealth comes from, the oil. I mean, I didn't know the oil was, uh, I know that they had, you know, other basic services, insurance companies, banks, and hospitals. I was aware of that. But I didn't that know sense.
0: that it was exactly oil, but I know that the white people out there wanted them off that land, and they wouldn't leave. <laughs> so they found a way to but get them off. Everybody wanted them off.
1: White people don't want you off something. It's got no value to it.
0: That's original terrorism. Right.
1: If, if, if it was barren land, you could stay there forever. If they're trying to get you off some land, it's for a reason, it, it has some value. And, and
0: yeah, yeah. Right. Mm-hmm.
4: exactly.
1: Yeah. So it's not just that you black, that they hate you because of right. your black skin. No. And see we've been fooled to no, all it, yeah, they, it's always about money. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's what it's about. If we can't make money for them, then we're the enemy, especially if we're making money for ourselves. Mm-hmm. Um so that that's the that's the real story. Not that we've been victimized. But you can, but why are yeah, we victimized? You, that,
0: as you yeah, are say, you... Leslie, positive, the positive story is if we are self-sufficient, we are no longer right. holding to somebody else. And the right. Black Wall Street was self-sufficient. They didn't have to work for the whites in the area. They didn't even have to deal with them. They had their own town, their own banks, and everything. So right. this was um, uplifting them, and it made the other folks, Jealous, and jealousy yeah. is a bad thing. But you can't, you can victimize somebody that's not that self sufficient, that's not beholden, you know, to other people. Well,
1: unfortunately, they, like you said, dropped the bomb on us because of the oil, or because of our wealth. And they didn't want us here mm-hmm. They want they, they took over mm-hmm. those oil rigs. We built yeah, it, and it, they mm-hmm. wanted that land. Now I'm I'm looking, I posted the video um September twenty first, twenty fourteen, and the name of the gentleman is Solomon Sir Jones. He was a Baptist minister, a businessman, and an amateur filmmaker. Jones was born in Tennessee to former slaves and grew up in the South before moving to Oklahoma in eighteen eighty nine. He became an influential influential Baptist minister building and pastoring fifteen churches. <clears throat> he was head of the Boyd action of Negro Baptists in America and was successful at everything he did. Now, his papers and his 29 silent films went to um, New Haven, Connecticut. I guess that's, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah
0: so you got to go to
1: the Zinke, B-E-I-N-E-C-K-E Rare Books and Manuscript Library. <laughs> and the phone number, if you want these this footage is two zero three four three two two nine. I want to write the Repeat that again. The number.
4: His phone. The phone number is two zero
1: three four three two two nine seven seven. And um and unfortunately only had a hundred and twenty two views. And if you go to the seven minute and twenty second marker you can actually see the oil, oil oil rigs. I'm going to share this on my Facebook right now.
4: Yeah, that's, that's some awesome information there. I mean, you know, you're linking the, the story together.
1: Yeah, you know, it, it only comes to me by grace because, as you can tell, I'm not a learned person. My background is in electronics. But well, I love my black people. I love the truth, you know. I absolutely love hearing the truth. And certain things since I was 10 years old, lies, I just can't handle them. I just don't accept them. So when I find out the truth, it's like, oh, I knew that was a lie. I can't wait to expose it.
3: Mm-hmm. You know?
1: So when I saw those oil rigs, now nobody spelled it out anyway and said, you know, we bombed Oklahoma because of these oil rigs. We we have to read between the lines. They're not going to tell the truth. Right. So I'm I'm going to post this again. <clears throat> the truth behind the, what is it, Tulsa? What do you guys call it? The destruction, <laughs> of, <laughs> the, 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 the destruction of Black Wall Street. Yeah. The destruction awesome.
0: of of, of Black Wall Street in Tulsa.
1: Okay.
0: And they destroyed the whole town.
4: Yeah.
1: Okay. Um, look at, um, let's see. Okay,
4: you guys talk, you guys got to talk. Well, no, I was trying to hear what you were saying, go on with that. Because I had a thought, which yeah. was the truth behind the Black Wall Street riots, the real Black Wall
2: Street story.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's
2: a good thought. You are listening to t Radio, you are listening to Donald Brown's Journal, and we have Leslie Gist from the Gist of Freedom with us, and we have Nellie Johnson.
1: Okay, so let's just um. Uh... Yes. All right, so your guest is coming this on.
4: Is. Yeah, well, you? I was hoping if you could do that piece, I wanted to, I sent you the link. I hope it went through for the, uh, um, Frederick Douglass piece, and then I wanted you to to do the Callie piece. Did you get the link?
1: No, no I'm no, holding on now. to listen
0: to the to hear the Frederick Douglass piece.
1: Oh, okay. All right. Let's see what a, what we can do. With. I'm gonna look at mine right now. Did I posted that um, some time ago.
4: Yeah, I can resend it if you didn't get it. I have mine.
1: Yeah, there's several um artists who read that. I think um. Who read it? Um, A famous black actor. He he does a reading of it. About Fourth of July is not my day. So it's it's, it's, yeah.
4: This this is one with James Earl Jones did this one.
1: Okay. I'm looking 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 for mine. Okay. I really, quite frankly, got tired of posting it every year.
2: Oh. <laughs> We're on ninety point five in a selected area of East New York, TNL Radio.
4: Hey, uh, uh, let me go to Frederick Douglass Fourth of for July speech, and it will come right up on. All uh, right,
1: I'm just trying to find the the speech. Because in the speech that I have, he talks
4: about Mexico. And yeah, Mexico no, but if you World do uh, Frederick, Frederick, Frederick Douglass' 4th of July speech, uh, the one that's narrated by James Earl Jones will come right up. Mhm. Right,
1: so are you going to read it? I think you should read it. Well, 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 no, I was going
4: to have you play it, because there's only five minutes, and then critique from I, behind
1: I, I can't, it. There's it, no way I can play that on, and get it through the, the, the on air. I would have to upload it. I would have had to upload it and be able to hit a button to play it so it would go across where so you guys could hear it. You know what I mean?
4: Oh, I thought you could just put the speaker to it. I didn't know.
1: No. Um, that won't. That won't sound. Let's see. Let's see if I can do something creative. Frederick Douglass, um, Mexico.
4: Me Fourth of July speech. We can do it.
1: You can do it? You have it?
4: Yeah. No, she said you could do it. She was giving you.
1: <laughs> yeah, you, can the it. you think it'll work?
2: Okay, let's see. No, I'm saying you could put the speaker to it. If
1: you choose to all right, let's see how it sounds, because 'cause I'm talking through my headset um and it's pretty good,
4: well, you know engineers are very good at that,
1: yeah, and um we have you adapt
4: whatever the circumstances is. You have. It.
1: yeah we hmm? we're extremely sensitive to quality, we like to have that um what do you call it the optimum let's see, yeah. Yeah, you want perfection. Right. It's, it, we, we don't look like engineers when you got all that static and feedback. Nobody will believe that you're an engineer. You can't have just anything up. Um, let's see, let's see, let's see. I wonder I wonder if we can call on a three way another broadcast and play it. Somebody who already has it. If we call up, you know what I mean. If you can listen to a podcast. Um,
4: okay. Well.
1: Hmm. Like my podcast. Mm. If it's already up here. Let's see.
4: It it may be in a podcast format. You're more up on that than I am. So yeah, well, let cool me see if that. I
1: can if I could call. How would I do that? I would have to. I don't want it to sound. I don't want no feedback. Um, what we can do, I think uh, you should have a special Fourth of July show for that.
4: Okay. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean we can probably just go with that. But what I like for you to do is why don't you share your piece and then next week we'll come back with the piece they can hear
1: and do it now. We can do it uh, tomorrow Sunday. We should do it tomorrow.
0: Have but we don't. Uh, we. We don't know if we. We have. Mm-hmm. We don't know if we have the station tomorrow. I said we don't know if we have the station tomorrow.
1: Yeah. It, it, um. Our grandma's on line. <laughs> do you think we can do it tomorrow? Is she still there? Yes,
3: no, so
1: she,
2: what time is that? What time, Donald? Well, I'm, I'm available. You know. It. Because we don't have it on the agenda. I thought it would be easier when people are listening or looking for your show.
4: Mm -hmm. So then why don't we just plan for next week, and we'll just do a post-July Fourth special around that feature. Maybe we can have everything we need for that, okay? Uh, But but just to to, to move in, in sync with our conversation, you're sharing some enlightening things about the, oil piece that really I think is very significant. Most of us probably are becoming aware for the first time that really brought about the wealth in Black Wall Street. I mean we knew about they owned their banks and their own stores and land and did not know that there were oil fields that blacks owned during that period. And there were blacks in the oil in, in the oil business industry, correct? Mm-hmm. Well
2: I
1: didn't know until I saw my own eyes. <laughs> You know, like I said, I was under impression. We farmed and we did, you know, things like that. But when you hear Oklahoma, I'm thinking about wheat and, you know, I never imagined um, we would have oil rigs in our own backyard. And so, I mean, they were really tall, high. I mean, you you know, for us to make stuff like that, it's incredible. And they bury that story. And, and, And we just talk about, you know, the worst part of it, and we need to really start saying, okay, you you blew us up. Now, I'm going to give you another reason to bomb us again, because I'm going to mm-hmm. rebuild. You know, so right. you blew us up, right. but I'm right. going to go back. I'm keeping my ear property, and I'm going to do the same thing over again. Um, that's the That would be the best way to um, negate that story um, and tell that story instead of just saying they dropped bombs on us. <laughs> The Why well, they said, the best,
0: as they say, the best revenge is doing well. So we mm-hmm. do it well, and that's our revenge for whatever happens.
4: Yes, mm-hmm. yes. Right. Well, uh, that I'm is true. And that's, that. What, that's one way we can, we can do it collectively, you know.
3: hmm Yes.
4: And uh, I like about your thing of telling people. I like your Facebook page where you talk to tell people this Spend business, do business with black businesses You know
1: Right Not just do business but just promote You know it's very hard for us to, You don't see our businesses On the television commercials You know the only advertisers You see in our neighborhood is for liquor stores And wine and whiskey Um, So it's up to us to change Those images I, I hate when we have a, a great event And it's sponsored by liquor you know, am I the only one that feel that way? I think I'm disconnected.
0: Hello.